Hello everyone and welcome to episode number five of the Searcy Sports Show. I'm your host Nelson Searcy and whatever platform you are listening on and wherever you may be listening, I hope you are having a wonderful day. Man, it feels like it's been forever since I've recorded uh, an episode of the show. Um, I took a whole month off uh, due to having the flu for a couple weeks and then after I got over having the flu I didn't have a voice. And now we're back and ready to go. Um, there's so much going on at the moment, and I, I love it. Um, the NFL Draft Combine just, just ended, um, MLE Spring Training, the PJ Tour is in full swing, it's almost time for March Madness, um, the XFL is continuing their success, and, and I'm just so excited to get into everything today. So let's go ahead and jump into today's Searcy Storylines, three current stories in the sports world that are catching my eye. And the first is Tom Brady's free agency frenzy. Um, there are so many rumors around what he's going to do. Um, I mean, he's he's he may not be the best player available in the free agency market, but he is definitely um, the one that is getting the most talk. Um, there's a lot of thoughts about what he may do. I have seen a lot of reports about the now uh, Las Vegas Raiders um, attempting to acquire him. Um, I'm not sure that that will work out. Um, I think that the Raiders are going to be targeting a lot of other players in free agency, such as somebody like Byron Jones with the Dallas Cowboys. They're looking for defensive help. Um, I think Derek Carr has been solid for them. I think it may be more of a relationship thing between Derek Carr and John Gruden that they want him to move on. Um, I don't know. I just think that Derek Carr is is a good enough option right now, and I think that they kind of need to build around the youth of their team, um, get some experienced players in there, and and take advantage of the youth that they have now. Um, then there have been reports about the Buccaneers. Um, the Buccaneers still need to decide if they want to do anything with Jameis Winston. Um, Bruce Arians is a very experienced coach. Who knows how long he will be around, as well as who knows how long Tom Brady will be around um, before they retire. Um, and the Buccaneers do have some very quality weapons and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Cameron Brate, OJ Howard. Um, so they have a lot of pieces there. Um, so that could be something, but the Buccaneers really need to decide what they're going to do with Jameis Winston. Um, then there's also the, um, the most understandable option of Tom Brady staying with the New England Patriots. Um, there are some issues that the Patriots have, but it seemed like for as dysfunctional as they were last year, they still saw a lot of success. Um, unfortunately, they lost in the first round of the playoffs, but I don't really know how much that has to do with Tom Brady's age and his performance. Um, I, I think that he did pretty well for for where he is in his career last year. Um, so I wouldn't be I, I would put my money if I had to put money down um, on him staying with the New England Patriots, but then there's also situations like the Los Angeles Chargers that are also pretty appealing. Um, they have some weapons in Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry. Um, so they have th- some things to work with. I really like Anthony Lynn as a head coach as well. So um, Tom Brady has a lot of decisions to make, and I don't think it'll be anytime soon before we hear about the decision. But um, I think we're all interested to see what happens to the league if he were to leave. However, I, like I said, if I had to put money on it, I would put my money on him staying with the New England Patriots, which would, of course, be the boring, kind of the boring route because you know what we're going to get with New England um, in terms of play style and all that. But uh, just really interested to see what happens with Tom Brady in the offseason and where he ends up going. The second story of the day is revolving around young NBA star Zion Williamson. And a few weeks ago, 
about a month ago, I suppose, um, I gave my NBA midseason awards, um, and my rookie of the year pick was Ja Morant, and I really didn't see anybody taking that away from him. Um, Ja has continued to play very well for the Memphis Grizzlies, and they currently sit in the eighth seed in the Western Conference. Um, But as far as Zion goes, the reason why I didn't say, I said that Zion would not win rookie of the year is I thought that Zion would come in and play you know, 25 games or however much many games that he's going to play and be just about as impressive as, as John Morant has been. Um, but after watching Zion for the last couple of weeks, um, man, Zion really could take that award away from him, which is incredible, um, especially coming off of uh, off of the injury that Zion is coming off of. Um, the Pelicans are in position to take the eight seed away from Memphis. They're only a few games behind now. And Zion is, in 18 games, is averaging – Almost 24 points, seven rebounds, two assists. Um, he's shooting 59% from the field and 42% from three. Um, he's been really impressive on both sides of the floor. Um, and I think if the Pelicans make the playoffs, I would not be surprised. And I think that it might be deserved that Zion wins the the Rookie of the Year award for the NBA this year, um, which would be very impressive to to win that in only you know half of a season or less of of uh, of, of showcase, but. Wow, Zion has just been incredible, and I, I've loved watching him. And, and if they give the award to John Moran, I think it's well-deserved as well. Um, he's had an amazing season, too, and it's just been great to watch the young guys in the NBA continue to flourish and, and play really well at that level. And the third story of the day comes from the world of college basketball, and it's amazing how clueless that I feel at this point in the season about the world of college basketball. Um I, I was just thinking the other day about how it's almost time for March Madness and then the bracket's going to come out. And I was just thinking about teams that I might, you know, see as a favorite to win the whole thing. And of course, the March Madness tournament depends on matchups and, and you know, who you face in your bracket and all that. Um, but man, I, I just have a hard time really picture, picturing a favorite at this point, um, no matter what the bracket ends up being. Um I mean, teams like Kansas, Gonzaga, Dayton are pretty solid contenders at this point. Um, but even then, I I just see things with with those teams that I would not be surprised if they lost. Um, and then you look at teams below them like Baylor, San Diego State, Kentucky, Florida State, Seton Hall. Um, all of those teams, some of them don't really have a concrete identity um, and – I don't know. There's just so much parity in college basketball, and I love it because that means that the tournament's going to be crazy, and that unfortunately also means that all of our brackets are going to stink. Um, but that's just the way it goes, and I, I just think that this year is is a great example of of college basketball in general. Um, sometimes we do get those really powerful teams that you know are are huge favorites, but even then they still ninety nine percent of the time go down in the NCAA tournament. Um, and thus we call it March Madness just because it's it's always crazy to see what happens. But I think that this might be the craziest year that we will ever have. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a, a craziness uh, kind of upset that we saw a few years ago between, you know, a 16-seeded UMBC beating number one overall Virginia. But I just think as the tournament goes along, um, I, I really expect to see a lot of crazy things happen, a lot of upsets. Um, and I'm really excited, really excited to see the bracket, really excited to watch the tournament. Um, it's one of the, the best, you know, couple weeks of the year. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the college basketball is just crazy right now. And I can't wait for the craziness to get even crazier.
So now I just want to take a second to give you all my um, every episode reminder to make sure to take care of yourself, um, no matter what is going on in your life right now or things that your family might be facing, your friends might be facing. Um, we're all going to get through it and we can get through it together. So don't hesitate to reach out to someone if you need help with something. If you're going through some struggles, um, it always helps me to talk to people about things. And, uh, and it just, it goes a long way to kind of hear from other people that, that they have your back and, and, uh, just, just make sure to take care of yourself, especially, you know, on the, we're on the back end of flu season and, and all of these, uh, these stories about coronavirus are out and it's just all terrible stuff. Um, so just make sure to take care of yourself, whether it's physically mentally, emotionally, um, all across the board, just make sure to take care of yourself. So now I want to shift gears to the PGA tour. Um, as I said earlier in the episode, um, the PGA Tour season is in full swing, and the last month or so has been some really exciting golf um, played throughout these tournaments. And um, I saw a statistic the other day. I don't remember specifically what it was, but it was just talking about how um, how well the young guys, the kind of 25 and unders, are playing on tour and how many new players are getting wins and, and performing well. And um, it's great to see all those young players play really well, um, but... I really want to see those big names up and contending again. Um, Phil Mickelson has had some struggles in the past year with his game, and now Tiger is having some troubles with his back again. And guys like Jordan Spieth have had trouble with their game. And just a lot of the fan favorite um, kind of um, been around for a while, quote-unquote, names. Um, They're just not filling the leaderboards as much as I'd like to see. And although... Like I said, I love that there's so many young players that are excelling and it's great for the future of the tour. Um, but at the moment, um, you know, they always say that the best thing for the sport has been, you know, Tiger, Phil, um, guys like that to continue to be in contention because they're, they're the guys that have been around forever and everybody loves them. And, uh, and so I, I would just love to see um, those guys that are either out of form or, or injured um that have been around for a while. I'm sure there's more examples than just Tiger and Phil and Jordan Spieth, but those are just the first names that come to mind as far as I feel like the staples that we've had in the past five to 10 plus years um, just aren't on top of the leaderboard as much as I would like them to be. And this could be just me saying this, but um, I'm just really excited to get a week where we have Tiger in first and Phil in second and Jordan Spieth in third and Rory McIlroy in fourth and just guys like that, just all stacked on top of the leaderboard and gut, gunning it out to the end of, you know, hopefully a major. Hopefully at the Masters we have that where it's just Tiger, Phil, Jordan Spieth, Rory, Dustin Johnson, just all those guys like head to head to head to head. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I do. I mean, golf is in a great spot, great spot right now. I think that uh, worldwide it's it's continuing to, to flourish and and uh, and just be great. On all across the board, amateur and professional. Um, but I, I'm just I'm just kind of waiting on that tournament where all of those big names are all on top of the leaderboard at once. Um, and and I'm sure it will come sooner than later. So now I want to jump to the MLB as they are in spring training right now, and it is only a few weeks until opening day 2020. And I want to go division by division, kind of giving you my record. Uh, predictions for each team, um, the kind of playoff picture, and um, just kind of the outlook for the teams that I think are going to do great, um, kind of the sleeper team that I have this year, and 
and then jump into my World Series prediction. So in the AL East, um, I am predicting the Yankees, the New York Yankees, to win um, the AL East um, at a record of 98 and 64. The Boston Red Sox to finish second uh, at 85 and 77. The Tampa Bay Rays to finish third at a record of 84 and 78. The Toronto Blue Jays to finish fourth um, at a record of 76 and 86. And the Baltimore Orioles to finish last in the AL East with a record of 59 and 103. Um, the Yankees are loaded and, uh, ready to go. And it seems like every year the Yankees seem loaded beforehand, but, um, I have a feeling that the Yankees are going to be pretty special this year. Um, I have them going very far in the playoffs as you'll hear me talk about later. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I really like what the Yankees are doing. Um, I think that pitching has been a concern in the past, but I like that, um, they're starting rotation this year. And when you have guys like, Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew, Brett Gardner, especially Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton uh, hitting and um, and in the field. Um, I, d- I just think that the Yankees are going to have a very, very successful year this season. Next, we have the AL Central, and I have the winner of that division being the Minnesota Twins at a record of 88-74. and 74. Um, second in the division, the Chicago White Sox at a record of 86-76 and 76, and them earning a wildcard spot. Um, third in the division, I have the Cleveland Indians at a record of 83 and 79. Fourth, the Kansas City Royals at a record of 69 and 30, uh, 93, excuse me, 69 and 93. And the Detroit Tigers at a record of 55 and 107 in last in the AL Central. Um, the Minnesota Twins have a starting rotation that I really, really like, um, with Barrios, Odorizzi, Maeda, Homer Bailey, um, and then, um, they have a lot of a lot of good bats in there with uh, guys like Josh Donaldson, Sano, um, Kepler, Nelson Cruz. So um, I really I really like the Twins this year. Uh, they were my sleeper team last year, and they ended up performing very well. Um, and I think they're con- going to continue their consistency this year throughout the season. Next up, we have the AL West, and I have the Houston Astros winning the division at a record of ninety three and sixty nine. The Oakland Athletics uh, in second at a record of 87 and 75 and earning a wild card spot. Um, third, the LA Angels at a record of 82 and 80. Uh, fourth, the Seattle Mariners at a record of 78 and 84. And fifth and last place in the AL West, I have the Texas Rangers finishing 77 and 85. Um, the Houston Astros, um, despite obviously their sca- their cheating scandal with the um, all of the pitch tipping and all that. Um, I, I think that despite that, they have so much talent um, in in their rotation and in the field. I mean, they have so many names that are recognizable that are just super impressive. Um, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Alex Bregman, George Springer, Josh Reddick. And then, of course, you have the big one-two punch in their uh, rotation with um, Verlander and Greenkey. Um, and despite all of the controversy and the and the cheating and and all of that from the past, um, I think that the Astros are going to be able to shake that off pretty quickly and have a very successful season yet again. Um, they just have so much talent, and I think it would be crazy for them not to be successful this year. Before I jump into my predictions for the National League and my World Series prediction for this year's 2020 uh, MLB season. Um, I want to talk about the Oakland Athletics as they are my sleeper team for the upcoming season. Um, I think that the Athletics have a lot of really good pieces. Um, I, I really like Matt Olson, Marcus Simeon, Matt Chapman, and Chris Davis. 
Um, I do like their rotation. I like Mike Fires. I like Sean Manea. Um, I I just I, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where I just have a feeling that they're gonna have a, have a really solid year. Um, I I don't have much other than that. I just like a lot of their players. Um, and as far as their pitching staff goes, and um, in the field and behind the plate. So going forward for the season, I I'm gonna be watching for the Athletics to kind of make a run and surprise a lot of people. So now we will jump to the NL East, um, where I have the New York Mets finishing first in that division with at the record of 90 and 72. Second, the Philadelphia Phillies at a record of 89 and 73 and earning them a wild card spot. Um, third, the Atlanta Braves at 84 and 78. Fourth, the Washington Nationals at a record of 81 and 81. And last, the Miami Marlins finishing with a record of 50 and 112. So as I look at the New York Mets um, lineup and their rotation, there are a lot of players that I really like on this team. Um, I think Pete, Pete Alonso coming off of his magic year last year, I think he'll continue to succeed. Robinson Cano can still play at a really good level. Um, Yoenis Cespedes has been great for a while. I really like Michael Conforto as well in right field. And then, man, their, their starting rotation is, is pretty intimidating to me um, with DeGrom, Syndergaard, Stroman, Porcello. Um, they just have a there's there's a lot to like about the New York Mets and um, I, I think that they're going to have a lot of success this year um, with with the lineup that they've they've kind of created um, and I think that the Phillies will be really close um, I, I had a tough time deciding but I I just I really like a lot of the things that the New York Mets are doing and I think that it, it uh, it's going to come to fruition this year. Next up is the NL Central, um, and I have the St. Louis Cardinals winning that division at a record of 88 and 74. Second, the Chicago Cubs at a record of 83 and 79. Third, the Milwaukee Brewers with a record of 82 and 80. Fourth, the Cincinnati Reds at a record of 80 and 82. And last, the Pittsburgh Pirates with a record of 64 and 98. Um, this division for me was the hardest to pick because you've got a team like St. Louis who has been very consistent for a long time. Not a lot of changes in the offseason, so you feel like you know what you're going to get, and I think that they'll be pretty solid. Then you have a team like the Cubs, who have some good pieces as well, as same as the Milwaukee Brewers, and then you have a team like the Cincinnati Reds, who have made a lot of offseason moves, and maybe they'll it'll pay off, maybe it will not. Um, but I'm going to pick the St. Louis Cardinals just based off of the consistency that they have. I really was tempted to go with the Cincinnati Reds, but... Um, I don't know. I It was hard for me to see the amount of moves that they made and kind of just waiting for, for them to kind of see it in action and have some chemistry where I'm just going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals um, with the consistency that I talked about. Um, Yadier Molina has been solid for a long time. Paul Goldschmidt, Colton Wong, Paul DeYoung, um, Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler, and then, of course, Jack Flaherty leading their, their starting rotation. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, that, that, that division is so difficult in my opinion to, to kind of predict. But, um, whenever I look at trying to predict things, I try to predict things or, or side on air on the side of consistency. And I feel like the St. Louis Cardinals have shown me the most consistency in the last few seasons. And, and, um, I think that the chemistry that they already have together is really going to pay off. And I think Jack Flaherty is going to have another, um, outstanding year and, and the rest of their rotation is solid as well um, but I think that Jack Flaherty will really have a have a nice year and I think that the Cardinals are going to win the division 
And finally, we have the NL West, where I have the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, winning the division at a record of 162. Um, second, the Arizona Diamondbacks with a record of 85 and 77 and earning them a wild card spot. Um, third, the San Francisco Giants with a record of 81 and 81. Fourth, the San Diego Padres with a record of 80 and 82. And fifth and last place in the NL West to the Colorado Rockies with a record of 75 and 87. The Dodgers just have a unbelievably stacked lineup with Corey Seager, Justin Turner, Jock Peterson, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and then their pitching rotation with Kershaw, Walker Buehler, David Price, um, Alex Wood. Um, the Dodgers just up and down, I think, are, in my opinion, the best team in baseball, um, and which leads me to my World Series prediction for 2020 season. Um, my prediction is the Los Angeles Dodgers beating the New York Yankees in five games. Um, like I said, I, I just looking at the Dodgers roster up and down um, across all phases, I think that they are the best team in baseball. And although they've had some playoff struggles um, in the past recent history, um, I think that this year is going to be the year that they get it done and all of their talent is going to um, show up and be very successful. And with that, that concludes today's episode of the Searcy Sports Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Next time on the Searcy Sports Show, I plan on making my NCAA March Madness predictions as well as some NBA playoff predictions, so stick around for that. A reminder that you can check out episodes and clips from the show on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud under the name The Searcy Sports Show. And you can find the show on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next time, this has been your host, Nelson Searcy, signing off.